1: Oh, indeed, there will be a lot of discussion. Discussion reportedly happening today. Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reporting that Ben Rothsberger and Art Rooney II, the owner of the team, technically the president of the team, had a conversation, had a meeting. It went well. We haven't heard anything about what was discussed or where it's going from here, but they did meet, which is a little encouraging, a little ominous. We'll know the truth at some point before March 19 when Ben Roethlisberger is due $15 million in a roster bonus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, I have to say good afternoon and welcome in to you, the audience, and also to you, Shereen Williams. How's everything today?
2: It's weird, isn't it, Mike? I tweeted this earlier today. We should be in Indianapolis, and really last year at this time at the scouting combine, that's the last time it really felt normal. We had a normal outing, Mike.
1: And if normal means Chris Sims puking on the set and walking (laughs) off with the bucket as he was doing it, then yes, that's normal. But I remember at the time there was a growing concern about the coronavirus. And I remember when I wasn't at the facility at the convention center doing our shows and doing interviews, if I was back at my room working I I was watching the news coverage just to get an idea of where in the hell this thing was going because I had a bad feeling about it. And by the time we got home from Indianapolis, that's when it really started to take off. March 11 is when the world turned upside down. But that's the last time I went anywhere. That's the last trip that I had work-related. I've done everything from here since then, as have most people. And hopefully we are getting closer to a turning of the tide. I've heard by late May things should begin to To break the right way. And then between Memorial Day and Labor Day, a lot happens during those two bookend holidays to begin and end the summer. And by Labor Day, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, maybe we'll be at a point where things are starting to seem a little bit more like normal. Although I don't know what normal is ever going to be again. I feel like we're never going to get back to the way things were a year ago. It's at least going to be a couple of years before. You go out and you don't see people wearing masks, although I think people wearing masks will be uh, not quite permanent, but it's going to be around for a while, and maybe it's the smart thing to do. The smart thing for the Steelers to do is figure out what to do with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, when I just look at the news that Rooney and Roethlisberger met, I think that's not good. But it went well, whatever that means. But... Why do the two guys need to meet directly? What what needs to be done between the two of them to figure out the question of, one, whether or not the Steelers want him on the team this year, and two, what they're going to do about his $19 million that he's due to make this year, whether it's going to be trimmed down, whether it's going to be converted to a bonus and spread over multiple years, whether it's going to be a little bit of both. I don't know why there needs to be a summit between Ben and And Art Rooney, that in and of itself to me is unusual. And given the circumstances, the broader context, it makes me not feel any stronger about him coming back. It makes me feel like this is a step toward an inevitable separation. But again, it went well. So I don't know what the hell to think. Shereen, what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, it's the same thing I thought immediately, Mike. I, I don't know what went well means. Just like, you know, when we have these surgeries all the time and they say the <laughs> surgery was a success, like, what does that mean? That The person lived through the surgery? We don't know how it's going to go. And I, I felt the same way about this. We don't know what went well uh, means, but... By all accounts, Mike, from what we heard from the team last week and and the week before, it sounded so much to me like the team was ready to move on from Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe they're just trying to figure out how to divorce in a classy way. I don't know. And I don't know what Ben Roethlisberger wants to do. He sounded like he wants to continue playing. My question would be, if it's not for the Steelers, does anybody want Ben Roethlisberger? I don't know the answer to that. I think like Cam Newton, he's better than the 32 quarterbacks in the league. If you're going to name him out, he's in that top 32. There aren't 32 quarterbacks better than him. I'm just not sure who would want him, Mike. So I don't know how this ends. I don't think Pittsburgh's in a real great position here because even if you decide you're moving on from Ben Roethlisberger, Who's your quarterback next season? Do you think that Mason Rudolph is going to win games for you? I don't see that happening. This, to me, looks like a team that's on the verge of rebuilding here. Maybe they want to keep it together one more year with Ben Roethlisberger. But they really look like a team that is starting to to lose it in a little bit, Mike. 2003 was the last time they had a losing record. They've been very consistent Since Mike Tomlin has been there, but this to me looks like a team that's on the verge of rebuilding, considering their cap situation and the quarterback situation.
1: Your comment comparing the meeting went well to a surgery being a success struck (laughs) me for one big reason. First, when a surgery is a success, that, that is good for, and it meshes with the objectives of both patient and surgeon. In this case, I don't know what it means for it to have gone well for the Steelers or for Roethlisberger. And there's a chance that it could go well for one side and not go well for the other side. The Steelers' objective may be to find a way out of this mess without upsetting Ben Roethlisberger and the fan base for ending it a year too early. It may go well from Roethlisberger's perspective if they find out a way to give him all the money he wants. I just think that there's a way that went well doesn't reflect the objectives of both sides. And we still don't know and we won't know who knows for how long. No later than March 19. Again, that's when the $15 million roster bonus is due. By then, they will have done something with that bonus. They will have done something with his his salary. And he either won't be on the team or he will be with a new contract. The only thing we do know there's no way they're carrying 41.25 million under his name in 2021 given that the salary cap is going to be in the range of 182 to 183 million i'm told and and i still believe that from the steelers perspective they have to be confident that they're a super bowl contender with ben to make it worthwhile to move heaven and earth to keep ben and i think that's the the decision that they're trying to make as objectively as they can Are we going to be good enough that it makes sense to keep this guy around and do it one more time? This is not 2005 with Jerome Bettis one more season where the team was a Super Bowl contender. There are teams in that conference that are clearly better than the Steelers right now, as we saw down the stretch to the regular season. The question is, how objective can they be in their assessment of what they're really going to have? And do they really know what they're going to have? Who can they keep? More importantly, who can they add? This just feels like a mess. And Shereen, I'll throw this back to you. Today on PFT Live, Sims and I went through every starting quarterback to try to figure out which guys were or weren't better than Cam Newton. And there were two toss-ups, Daniel Jones of the Giants, Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers. I could easily make the argument that I take that $19 million that Roethlisberger's due to make and pay a chunk of it to Cam Newton and use the rest on other players. And I'm in as good of a shape as I would be, if not better off, with Cam Newton in his early 30s than Ben Roethlisberger pushing 40. What do you think of that?
2: Well, you know, Roethlisberger does turn 39 next week. Uh, I saw a drop-off from him in December. He threw five interceptions. They finished 1-4 and in December. You know, I just didn't like what I saw out of Ben Roethlisberger late in the season. Of course, he had the elbow injury the week before. So he's definitely on the decline there, Mike. I do think he's better than Cam Newton, but the question for the Steelers, like you said, becomes can we win a Super Bowl? Can we contend with Ben Roethlisberger? And yeah, you know, they were 11 and 0 to start the season last year. They went 12 and 3 with him at quarterback, but when I look at this team, I look at this roster, I look at the free agents, the Bud Deprees and everybody else that's going to be free agents, that the retirements they had of Pouncey and, and those type situations, I don't know that I look at this team and see a Super Bowl contender. So maybe it is time to start looking ahead to the future, time to start figuring out what you want to do, and, and perhaps it is a bridge quarterback, if you're going to go that route, Mike, that you have a bridge quarterback and a guy like Cam Newton this season as opposed to somebody else. And maybe we draft one too, and, and Cam's the, the bridge quarterback for a year while you groom that guy to take over. I don't know what you do. To me, they're in a pickle, though. I I don't like. I wouldn't like being in their situation, not knowing who my quarterback is going to be for the future and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with, with Ben Roethlisberger, whether I want him on my team or not. Are we contenders or are we not contenders? And I say, right now, as I see it, especially in the division they play in, as you pointed out, I don't think they are, Mike.
1: Before the 2011 CBA, there were teams that were periodically in cap problems. And I remember there would be teams from time to time would have to suffer through a year of salary cap purgatory because they just didn't have the space. They had to take their reckoning. They had to get on the right side of the salary cap. Since the 2011 CBA That rarely happens, but Steelers, one of the teams that always seem to be bumping up against the cap, one of the reasons they're always bumping up against the cap, they deal with their cap problems by playing that restructuring game and pushing dollars into future years. That does not make those dollars disappear. You still have to deal with those dollars, so when you restructure five, six contracts in a given year, you are shoving cap dollars into future years, and you are constantly in that mode Of we have to create cap dollars by restructuring contracts. The problem is with the salary cap going from 198.2 down to 182 or 183, it never goes down. This year it's going down, and this is where the Steelers potentially are going to see their roster implode. Guys are going to have to be cut, guys have already retired, guys are not going to be signed as free agents, and who are they going to be able to lure to the team? as free agents they may not be able to afford cam newton even at a bargain basement contract like the one he signed last year with the patriots so this is a huge mess for the steelers and i think that one of the ways that a meeting between ben Rothersberger and art rooney went well today is if at the end of the meeting ben Rothersberger saw it the same way the steelers see it that as much as both sides would love to do it one more year it makes no sense to do it one more year. So the end result will be Ben Roethlisberger is released and a gentleman's agreement he's not going to play for anyone else so he doesn't have to retire. If he retires, he's on the reserve retired list and he can't play for anyone else. I think the end result is going to be a mutual decision. The time has come for his career to end. He won't sign with anyone else. The Steelers won't seek any of the $12 million back in unearned signing bonus money that he has yet to to fulfill the entitlement to the way the signing bonus works it's not free money it's not money for one year it's money for the full term of the contract and then they just move forward with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and whoever else they they manage to find I just feel like that's where it's going I that's the only way I can I can process the idea that there'd need to be a meeting between these two guys you're there's nothing to talk about if Ben is staying there's everything to talk about if Ben is leaving
2: And Mike, let's just say, for the sake of argument, Ben decides he wants to continue his career, right? And he tells the Steelers, no, I'm continuing my career, whether it's here or elsewhere. Who and how many teams do you think have an interest in Ben Roethlisberger? I just don't see a big market out there for him.
1: No, and and it's not like the Colts are going to say, damn, we could have got Ben Roethlisberger instead of trading for Carson Wentz. Look, a couple of years ago, yes, but not at age 39, not a guy who has... not live the T B twelve lifestyle and it shows and I know that Rothersberger's camp gets upset when I say that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. He told Chris Sims two years ago he never picks up a football in the offseason. And then you wonder why his elbow is jacked up two weeks into the regular season when you're not constantly doing what you can to stay in shape so you're ready to go for a full football season. So look this guy's got a lot of mileage on that frame and it's amazing it's lasted as long as it has and as I said last week when Kevin Colbert made his remarks if they go forward with one more year when we get to November or December I believe that both sides will have regretted the decision so let's make a decision based on the application of sound foresight and say now is the time and I think that's where this is headed and maybe in a strange sort of way the news of the meeting was leaked So those of us whose job it is to interpret and explain what things like this mean, we have an opportunity to get the word out and get Steelers fans ready for what's coming next. I believe what's coming next is a press conference at which it will be announced that Big Ben is done playing football. Alex Smith, not done playing football, but clearly is done playing for the Washington football team. I already thought they were going to cut him, Shereen. And it dawned on me last week the Bears make the most sense for Alex Smith because he knows Matt Nagy, knows the offense. $19 million is the compensation package this year for Alex Smith. Here's what he said in an interview with GQ. When I decided to come back, I definitely threw a wrench in the team's plan, Washington football team. 2020 they didn't see it didn't want me there didn't want me to be a part of it didn't want me to be on the team the roster didn't want to give me a chance mind you it was a whole new regime they came in i'm like the leftovers and i'm hurt and i'm this liability heck no they didn't want me there at that point as you can imagine everything i had been through i couldn't have cared less about all that whether you like it or not i'm giving this a go at this point point. You may ask yourself, why in the hell was he even on the team then if they didn't want him? His salary was guaranteed for last year. Injury guaranteed. They weren't getting out from under it. He didn't pass a physical before it became fully guaranteed. That's why he was still there. And I love this aspect of the story. This is a great final 20 minutes of the movie that inevitably will be produced. How he's hell-bent to come back and play, and at every turn... Washington football team officials are like, damn it. Oh, really? Really? This guy, really? We have to play this guy? Real? We want to move on. We, we, want to, we want to lay the foundation for the future. And they get to the playoffs with Alex Smith. I, I just think that that part of it's awesome, but it tells me he will be cut. I feel even more strongly about this one. He will be cut before March 17, Shereen.
2: Yeah, I have no doubt, Mike, and it certainly sounds like he wants to continue his career. He'll be 37 in May, but he proved he can come back, and he proved that he can be a starting quarterback in this league. Now, I don't know that he goes somewhere that he can start. Chicago, perhaps, and and compete with Nick Foles, as you said, that makes the most sense simply because he does know that offense. But I do see Washington moving on from him i mean you've seen all the signs of this and you look at what it took actually for him to play last year i mean we said well it's a success that he's even made the roster right and then he finally gets on the field in in week five i think it was we said oh what a success he's one comeback player of the year he's gotten on the field but you know it took dwayne haskins being benched kyle allen being injured for alex smith even to get his chance he goes five and one as a starter, the stats weren't great. I mean, he had more interceptions than he had touchdowns, and he ranks near the bottom of, of every category there. But, you know, it was a successful story. There's no question about that with leading them to the playoffs. And then he doesn't get to play the playoff game because Tyler Hinkey starts that game because Alex Smith is hurt with that calf injury. So Washington ended up starting four quarterbacks last year, Mike. I know they'd like to find some stability at that position Alex Smith is not who they're looking for, and I'm with you. I think they move on from Alex Smith, and Alex Smith plays another year somewhere else.
1: Do you think that, that they're interested in Cam Newton in Washington with the presence of Ron Rivera and Marty Herney, or was nine years enough for both sides in Carolina?
2: Well, they had a chance to do it last year, right? And they didn't do it. And I don't know. Maybe they've seen enough in New England to think, well, we bring him back. We know they're in on all these quarterbacks. They definitely want an upgrade at the starting quarterback position. They're going to have Tyler Hinkey back. We know that. Kyle Allen more than likely comes back. So they're going to have those two guys back. And then you add the veteran on top of that. And I think they think, especially the division they're in, Mike, that they can win with, with whoever they start at quarterback. But they can't win a Super Bowl with whoever they start at quarterback. It's got to be an upgrade over what they had last year. And to me, Cam Newton certainly is an upgrade over what they had at quarterback last year when you consider all the different quarterbacks they started, Mike.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, that's just another example of why this offseason is going to be so crazy. Every team taking a step back, it seems like, other than a small handful, and saying, what do we have a quarterback, what are we going to do, who else is out there? It's unprecedented to this degree, and it may be the new Normal. Nothing normal about J.J. Watt's tweet from earlier today. And I don't know if he's trolling us, if he's having fun, if he's sending messages, subliminal messages, like when we used to get a record, kids. You know what a record is? Google it. I'm sure they're out there again now. They, they've got the record <laughs> players. You spin it backward and you get hidden messages about who killed John Lennon or Paul McCartney or whoever it was. We know who killed John Lennon. It was Paul McCartney. Sorry, I got my Dead Beatles wrong but uh paul mccartney's not dead or at least they say he's not jj watt mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell that was his seven word tweet earlier today that has sparked all sorts of speculation most of which tongue-in-cheek i think mitochondria is the same number of letters as the buffalo bills so it means he's going to buffalo the mitochondria research center is located in buffalo jj to the bills i've seen arguments like there's a c in mitochondria it means he's going to cleveland it's it's you could make a case for almost any team based upon that tweet. I don't know what he's trying to prove and I think he's just kinda of messing with us and I kinda of like it, Shireen.
2: I love it, Mike. He's trolling us, isn't he? And you know, he responded a couple days ago to a car it was obviously a Cardinals fan. I think the Twitter handle was something like Kyler to deAndre or something like that that tweeted to J.J. Watt, and he actually answered it and said, you're going to have to give me a minute. It takes me forever to order from DoorDash. It takes me like an hour to order from DoorDash. So, you know, as you've said, Mike, that teams want to know what the cap is before they know how much they're willing to pay J.J. Watt. I think that's where he is. I think that's why he doesn't have a team, uh, because these teams are still waiting to figure out what that final cap number is going to be and how much they can commit to J.J. Watt. Maybe he doesn't get as much as he thinks he's going to get, Mike or maybe he gives some team a discount that he really wants to go to. If he wants to win a Super Bowl, there are plenty of teams out there that are interested in J.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt will have his choice of of several of those teams, Mike, as we've heard. The Titans are the only ones who have publicly admitted that they have interest in J.J. Watt, but we've heard all the other teams out there who who reportedly have interest in J.J. Watt, and there's a number of them that he can pick to go to, and he'll help them.
1: I think the bottom line is no one is going to sign J.J. Watt until they know what the salary cap is, and I think we are a week at least away from knowing the cap. I'd like to think we'll know what it is before March 10 when the window closes on application of the franchise tag because it's hard to know what your committing to if you don't know what the cap is and that's the next item we need to get to the franchise tag window open today at 4 p.m eastern it doesn't matter when it opens it matters when it closes now you will see some teams go ahead and apply the tag before we get to march 10 i think it makes no sense to apply the franchise tag at any time before the deadline unless you're just nervous about maybe screwing something up and not getting it properly filed there's no reason to do it. It should just be a day that that applies to, to using it, and that's it. We don't need this two-week run-up, although I guess we get some content out of it by being able to say today, hey, today's the day the franchise tag window opens. <laughs> One guy who is uh, potentially going to be tagged, although I don't think he will, Chris Godwin, the Buccaneers receiver, he was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today, and he said he wants to be with the Buccaneers. But he said he's also not going to do something stupid. He's not going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to be miserable for some years to come just for a couple extra dollars. I think my happiness is paramount in all of this and part of that happiness is winning. Well, what does a couple extra dollars mean? Is it literally a couple extra dollars? If you're talking about a million dollars a year difference, is that enough to say see you later? To the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would think a million dollars a year would do it. Even if you end up in a situation where you're not so sure how good the team is going to be, I think he's going to be a guy who will be very expensive for the Buccaneers to keep. And as we've discussed, when you've got Antonio Brown, who likely will be back, when you've got Scotty Miller under contract, you've got Tyler Johnson under contract, and you can go out and sign some veterans who will be available cheap. Whatever someone offers Chris Godwin at the top of the market, whatever the market becomes this year, it's going to be more than what the Buccaneers can justify paying, given their other free agent, Shireen, that they're trying to keep.
2: No question, Mike. And when you look at Chris Godwin, I think he's the number one receiver. And he's going to go to a place that's going to pay him like a number one receiver. In Tampa Bay, he's not going to be the number one receiver. Maybe not even be the number two receiver. So why are you committing that money to Chris Godwin, especially when you drafted his replacement in Tyler Johnson? I know they want him back. I know they love this guy. He means a lot to their offense. I get all that, but you can't pay everyone. And he is going to make more money elsewhere. There's no question about that. They had him for four years. Two of those years, he was fantastic. Made the Pro Bowl in 2019, was really good in 2022. And you know what? He made $4.6 It's time for him to get paid. Paid like the number one receiver that he is. He'll go somewhere. He'll play really well somewhere. May not win a Super Bowl. But he's getting his money, and he already has one ring, Mike.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You've got the ring. You've climbed the mountain. There's no guarantee you're getting back to the top of it. And are you willing to forfeit the opportunity to make significantly more elsewhere than what you would make in Tampa Bay, where they're going to try to use the Jedi mind trick as best they can to get guys to take less? And I don't fault them for doing it, but if you're the guy who has the opportunity to make a million $2 Two million, three million more per year. You, you, you owe it to yourself and your family to seriously consider that, because again, there's no guarantee you're going to get have another drunken boat parade next year. And hell, you've already you've already done that, been there, done that. What's 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 it worth financially to have another drunken boat parade in Tampa Bay? You've got one ring. The second ring not worth whatever you may be giving up, depending upon what it is that you give up. And and he'll know. Now he would have known a lot more. This week in Indianapolis, at least his agent would have, because that's tampering central. But he'll know. He'll know in time what's out there. And it probably will be more than what the Buccaneers will offer. And, you know, if the Buccaneers can get Shaq Barrett signed, then they could franchise tag Chris, Chris yeah. Goblin. But I just, I, I just think it's too much to invest when you're paying Mike Evans top receiver money. And you've got other receivers who can get the job done for a lot less. It it just makes no sense to me. And that's no disrespect to Chris Godwin's abilities. It's just the reality of being at a position that is stocked.
2: They are absolutely stocked. And if I'm the Buccaneers, I want Shaq Barrett and Levante David back more than I want Chris Godwin back just because of the depth at that position. My linebacker and my pass rusher, not so much. And if they lose Shaq Barrett, they're going to have to find somebody to replace him, Mike. You have to have a pass rush. If they're going to repeat they've got to have a pass rusher if they don't have Shaq Barrett it's got to be somebody else so they're going to have to spend that money on somebody to get them a pass rush
1: we continue when we return our look at the offseason plans for all teams Dolphins up next because they hold the third pick in the draft that previously was held by the Texans we'll do that next here on PFTPM
3: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
1: The Miami Dolphins hold the third pick in the draft by virtue of the Laramie Tunsil trade from Labor Day weekend of 2019. A couple of first-round picks, and the Texans were bad enough that the pick the Dolphins get is the third overall selection. This Dolphins team almost made it to the playoffs. They lost against the Buffalo Bills in Week 17 when they still had a chance to get in. Are they a playoff team this year? And, and again, with seven spots in the AFC, it's not as hard as it used to be to be a playoff team. Do you think this is the year they get back?
2: Well, I I think they've got a good chance, Mike, but it all depends on Tua or whoever their quarterback is, right? They've got to get better quarterback play. I mean, he was in and out of the lineup as a rookie, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is... Doesn't look like he's going to come back. So they've got to get more out of that quarterback position. If they trade for Deshaun Watson, I certainly like their chances, depending on what they give up for him. But this looks like a defensive team that's ready. They have the receivers that are ready. They need a better running game, probably a little bit better offensive line. But it all comes back to the quarterback position, Mike. How are they going to to improve there? If they do just a little bit, they're in the playoffs easily.
1: That whole relief pitcher concept, and that was how Brian Flores, the coach of the team, described it at one point, where Ryan Fitzpatrick would periodically enter the game in place of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. The last time that was used was by the Cardinals in 2007-ish. I think it was 2007. Matt Leinert would start. Kurt Warner would come in. Kurt Warner would save the bacon, and then Matt Leinert would go back in the game. They continued that until Leinert was injured for the year, but this time around you got to ask yourself, will Ryan Fitzpatrick be back? And if not, will there be another quarterback who hovers over to his shoulder? Or will he, he be the guy, Shireen, who is expected to carry it all the way through to the end and make the magic late in a game that Ryan Fitzpatrick did on multiple occasions? That's my real question. That's my concern. And I know they made the big investment in Tua last year with the fifth overall pick, so they feel compelled to double down. But I, I want to know what they're going to do at that veteran quarterback position. Will it be a veteran? Will it be a younger guy? Will it be a true backup or will it be a relief pitcher? If I'm Tua, I prefer not to have a relief pitcher. But if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm going to be relieved to know that there's potential help in the event that Tua struggles in a given game.
2: Yeah, no question about it, Mike. They have to address that position, whether it's with Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone else. And I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone. I think he'll get a starting job somewhere. When you start to look at this, these free agent quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, why not? I mean, he started for eight teams. He can go start for, for a ninth team somewhere else. Uh, I don't think there are 32 quarterbacks in the NFL who are better than him. Same discussion that that we had with Cam. I, I do think he can start somewhere, be that bridge quarterback for somebody. So whatever team that is, wherever that is, but the Dolphins do have to get some insurance behind Tua. There's no question about that.
1: Here's my problem with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Once you go all in and believe in him, he inevitably craters. And then yep. he gets benched. And then he gets back in for some reason. And then he's great again. And then once you say, hey, he's finally gotten it, he's finally figured it out, that's when it goes the other way. It's confounding. But that's how it tends to happen for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I I don't know that there's going to be a starting job for him when the dust settles. It could be that he's that guy who looks like the starter and is at the top of the unofficial depth right. chart from middle of March until end of April, and then in comes a first-round draft pick as a rookie, and it's Ryan Fitzpatrick as the backup eventually all over again, although I don't know that that's an ideal solution. If I'm a team that's bringing in a first-round quarterback, do I want to have a guy hovering who may tempt me to to yank the rookie out of the game? There is potential damage to that that psyche of the quarterback when he is benched as a rookie. And you could spin it however you want, but it doesn't happen very often. And I just wonder how Tua is going to come out of that experience and if they are going to have somebody – on board who will be in a position to potentially supplant Tua on a game-by-game, case-by-case basis. Credit to Brian Flores. He was able to pull it off. He was able to not create issues in the locker room. We heard nothing about it. And maybe there were issues, but he has that team under his thumb to the point where no one talks about it. But you do have to wonder at one point when you're using two different quarterbacks, is everybody on board with this? Is everybody just just coincidentally feeling the same way or, or just – you know, so conditioned to defer to the coach that they're able to set aside their own personal feelings. That would be rare if it's the latter. Because at some point, the personal feelings are going to come out in the locker room, in the weight room, on the practice field. Why is Tua the starter? Why don't we just go with Fitzpatrick? Why are they yanking Tua? I, I, I just think that it's better for everyone if they make Tua the starter and find a true backup and let it play out. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, Then you move on and you try to find a franchise quarterback somewhere else, Shereen.
2: Yeah, and you know, you talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I I think it worked because of him, because of his mindset, because he never questioned why am I not starting even when I'm the better guy to start for this team. He never did that. And that's why I think you're comfortable signing him and then drafting a guy in the first round and maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick starts out the season as he did in Miami as your starter and you pencil in all right, on the bye week, our, our quarterback, our rookie quarterback, has had enough time in that period to get ready, and, and after the bye week, we're going to start him. And that's what the Dolphins had planned. Of course, their bye week got moved around and pushed up, and, and he started at a different point than, than maybe he would have otherwise. But we're, again, Mike, probably not going to have an off season, So to think that a rookie quarterback is going to come in and light it up, Joe Burrow did that to an extent, but you wouldn't mind having your quarterback sit behind a guy like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Tyrod Taylor. There's only a certain number of guys there that, that are good for that. But I think both of those guys are really good quarterbacks that would would, would handle that. And the rookies could handle that behind them. They'd be a good influence on those rookies, Mike.
1: One. Quick point of clarification, too. The way I remember it is, Ryan Fitzpatrick said some things when he was originally benched for Tua that were eye-opening, and I wonder what Brian Flores did behind the scenes to get him to knock it off and just buy in and accept what his role was going to be because I think I think Fitz was salty at first but then came around and yeah. I, it's a credit to Brian Flores and the f- force of his personality as a head coach where he can get guys to do what he wants them to do all right here's what we want to do next one guy in one guy out in the offseason for the Miami Dolphins Shereen you go first with your guy who is on his way in in your estimation.
2: I think they're going to use that third overall pick, Mike, on a receiver. And I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. And, of course, he opted out of the 2020 season. But in 2019, 84 catches, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns. He would have been probably the top receiver selected a, a year ago, or at least in that top tier of receivers that we saw Picked if he had been able to enter the draft after the 2019 season and they're going to have a tough decision if they decide to go to receiver. Do you pick Chase or do you pick Devontae Smith? And I think that's the decision they're going to be faced with there with that third pick. But I think either one of those guys might gives them an upgrade at the receiver position will help Tua. maybe you pick Devontae Smith just because he played with Tua at Alabama. But I think receiver is what they're looking at with that third pick.
1: I think to get the most out of Tua you need to have a great running game and I know Brian Flores comes from New England where they never had one guy who was the guy on a on a constant basis but I like the idea of pursuing Aaron Jones. I saw someone suggest today that Jones is yeah. going to get a 15 million dollar per year contract. That that doesn't happen. You don't get big money as a running back from any team other than the team that you already played for and became a star with when you hit the market it's Melvin Gordon it's 8 million a year and i think it could be less than that this year because of the reduced salary cap so i think Aaron Jones isn't going to come close to 15 million a year may not even get to 10 million a year and he could be a guy that the dolphins bring in and say you're our guy you're our running and receiving running back and we're going to we're going to help Tua by giving him a weapon that really can flourish in that offense and and make it easier for Tua to get the most out of His abilities. All right, who's out for the Dolphins, Shereen?
2: Well, I had Ryan Fitzpatrick at the top of my list, and I do think he's gone, but we've discussed him. So I think center Ted Karras is a free agent. They're going to have to replace him at the center position, and he is going to be one of the top centers on the market. So however they do that, whether that's through the draft or free agency or whatever they do, they are going to have to replace uh, Ted Karras' center. And, And again, That's an invaluable position because he's a veteran guy and Tua needs a veteran guy at the center position. I don't know that he necessarily needs a rookie coming in there and trying to set his protections for him, Mike.
1: And, you know, I, uh, I believe that no matter whether a team does have cap space or doesn't have cap space, this year of a reduced cap environment is going to prompt teams to take a hard look at their roster and ask themselves, dollar for dollar, is there someone else out there that I can get and, and get out from under a contract that that maybe has a salary that's more than we want to pay. And when I was looking through what some of these guys were making, Bobby McCain is a guy that I thought, you know, you just you, 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 this, there's a chance. There's a chance that that he's making enough that he's red flagged and they think they could find a replacement elsewhere. This gets down to that actor ripping the name off the back of the jersey, looking only at film. And when you consider how many guys are going to be flooding the market, you can, you can find a way if you choose to do so to say, we're going to upgrade dollar for dollar by shedding a contract that maybe has too much cap space tied to it. So that's just one name that popped out at me when I was looking through their roster and looking at their cap numbers this year. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to do the same thing for the Atlanta Falcons. They have the fourth overall pick in the draft and they have a huge cap mess. We'll take a look at the Falcons right after this on PFTPN.
3: A team that went 4-12 and last year with not very bad injury luck pretty good injury luck um you don't have many guys under contract though the salary cap's pretty tight i mean what are the avenues available to you to to improve this roster
1: i, I think everything's in consideration um and and look there's we're going to have to make some hard decisions on some players on this roster and and we're going to have to earn our job the scouts right we're scouts so we're going to have to go find players because you, you can't just build your roster with overpaid players in free agency or top draft picks. Um, we got to really dig. We have to dig and, and find value in free agency, and, and that's working with the coaches, and that's um, finding out exactly what they need and, and going and finding the players that they need. That's, in, that's throughout the entire draft, and that's an undrafted free agency. Um, so we have to be scouts, and we have to go find good players that, um, that, that really fit the makeup and the profile that we're looking for. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted that job if I was Terry Fontenot or Arthur Smith because this year is going to be a difficult year. Now, if ownership understands that, if Rich McKay, the team CEO, understands it, it's kind of like a scholarship year because you're dealing with a huge cap situation. Matt Ryan has a $40.9 million cap number, and if they traded him, it would have been close to that. They still could trade him, but I think they decided we're taking a huge cap number charge on this guy anyway. We may as well have him on the team. But the real challenge moving forward, Shereen, how do they put a team around Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, both both reportedly coming back, both have huge cap numbers, both would have huge cap consequences if traded. They're going to have to make the most of this effort to go out and sign guys who are cut by other teams, who don't get what they're looking for in free agency, and they're going to have to recruit the hell out of those guys to come to Atlanta and get them to believe that the Falcons, with the right supporting cast... Could be a special team again, like they were a few years back.
2: Yeah, and I don't know that that's going to happen, Mike. And good luck to Terry Fontenot and good luck to Arthur Smith in in trying to get this done. I just don't see it happening this year. And they're going to shed some of these contracts to get back to to where they once were with which was really close to winning a Super Bowl. And they haven't been the same team since then and you look at you know when they last won when they last won the division and and it's been a while and so they have a lot to to address this off season they have a lot to address into the future mike and and this is another job we talked about the steelers i wouldn't want the steelers job right now to to try to address the cap situation and Ben Roethlisberger's future and not having a quarterback of the future. It's the same with the Falcons. I mean, they're up against it on the cap, and I just don't know what you do here. Good luck, Terry Fontenot, and and good luck to the Falcons. I will say this: they won four games last year. I do think they were better than that. I know your record is what what you are is what your record says you is, but you know, you look at all the blown leads they had and everything that happened to them. I do think they're better than that. How much better? Probably like the seven and nine they were in the two years before that, somewhere in that range. So a little bit better than, than what they were in four games, but I don't see this team as a contending team.
1: As you were rattling off that Parcells saying, I almost thought I was working with Sims again this afternoon. You sure you got that right? <laughs> yeah,
2: I but- butched it. No, I butchered it.
1: <laughs> it was horrible. Uh- Uh, that's okay join the club you you, you haven't you haven't done live tv of a of a five-letter network or streaming variety until you've butchered something um I I just they're gonna have to butcher this roster they're gonna have to have major major changes and I don't know what they're gonna have going forward and if I'm Matt Ryan I don't know why I even want to be there I remember Arthur Blank at one point saying whether or not Matt Ryan's on the team in 2021 is partially going to be A factor of whether he wants to be I don't know why why why, now I don't know maybe he didn't see another opportunity for him out there maybe his agent worked the angles behind the scenes and realized no one was jumping up and down for a guy who's going to be 36 in May I know there was speculation of a of a reunion with Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers but Uh, I it it, it's just a shame what the Falcons have been through since that 28 to 3 debacle and I almost feel like that's going to hover over that team until everyone who was connected to that that game is gone and that includes Matt Ryan and Julio Jones so who knows the direction it's moving in some believe this is the last year for Jones and Ryan and we'll see maybe they're just on the team one more year to fill up the stadium that's something they've struggled to do I know there were reports 2019 before the world turned upside down about teams about fans excuse me just letting their PSL payments lapse and just giving them up and when you see a Falcons game there's a lot of empty seats there that they need to do something to get fans in the stands and one way to do that is by winning let's do our one in and one out Shireen, you're up first who's in for the Falcons
2: I'm gonna go with Justin Fields played at Georgia started his career at Georgia before he went to Ohio State and you talk about selling tickets. I don't think he's their quarterback this year, obviously. But but Falcons fans will have something to look forward to, to the future. He can sit behind Matt Ryan this year, and then they give him the job next year, Mike. But I think Justin Fields is going to be the guy for the Falcons in the future.
1: You know, as legend has it in NFL circles, Matt Ryan was an ownership pick back in 2008. And, and uh, owners are involved a lot more than then owners will admit they're involved. But maybe this time around, owner Arthur Blank or CEO Rich McKay will say, let's go ahead and nab that quarterback that can develop. Let's do it in unconventional style. The new convention is thrust that rookie in right out of the gates. Justin Fields, if he is the guy, would sit on the bench for a year potentially and then take over. What, what I would do if I'm the Falcons – I would get myself a young workhorse tailback in the draft in whatever round you think you can get him. I'm going to defer to the expertise of Terry Fontenot. He was part of the Saints when they found Alvin Kamara. Go find yourself an Alvin Kamara like it's that easy in the mid rounds of the draft and make that your guy because that's what they desperately need to compliment Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And you can find the right guy who comes in and makes an impact right away. Look at what James Robinson undrafted did for the Jaguars last year so I'm not giving a name at this point what I'm saying is target the draft one of the rounds of the draft three four or five get yourself a running back that you have full faith can come in and take over the job from day one and be on the field three downs at a time and really help the offense provide a compliment to the passing game Shereen
2: Yeah, and this is a team, Mike, that finished 27th in rushing last year. They need an upgrade at that position. And you talk about Arthur Smith. We know what he likes to do. He likes to run the ball. It's a run-first offense. And you look at Matt Ryan. He's had over 600 attempts over the last three years. And a lot of that is the product of, of having to come from behind, being behind in the fourth quarter and having to throw a lot. So I get that, but they do need a better running game to go with Matt Ryan. So maybe it's even an instance when you trade down and you get the other Alabama guy who's supposedly as good or better than Derrick Henry has the prospect to be in Najee Harris. Maybe that's what you end up doing and get some additional picks. But I am so with you, and I was looking for a running back. Possibly they could sign in free agency, and they just don't have the money to sign an Aaron Jones or somebody like that. So the draft is probably the best prospect for that, Mike.
1: Gotta go with the draft and if you do it right you end up with a star player for four years and then you worry about paying him a new contract after that. All right, who's out for the Falcons? Who isn't out? Maybe well, it'd be easier. It, Maybe it's just let who isn't, who yeah, isn't well. out.
2: They've already made a ton of their moves, but I think we can expect Todd Gurley to go somewhere else. I guess my question on Todd Gurley, he did sign the the one-year, $5.5 million deal with the Falcons and and did not live up to the expectations they had for him. His knees are shot, Mike, and it's a shame because he had such a great stretch there with the Rams. He was so good. They only had one 100-yard game this season. His average uh, per rush has fallen from 3.8 to 3.5 over the last two years. 57.1 yards per game in 2019, 45.2 yards per game this year. My only question with Todd Gurley is, does anybody else sign him, Mike?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. It may be it for Todd Gurley, who made a ton of money coming off of that torn ACL that he suffered at Georgia in 2014, was still a top-10 pick, got a contract that the Rams never should have given to him, given the health situation. They ended up regretting it, cutting him. He made a lot of money off of that deal, though he should be happy with what he got at the NFL level and I think that for him the question now becomes how little are you willing to take to play because at some point you just say it's not worth my time it's not worth my effort it's not worth the risk of further injury to my knees or potential cognitive issues in continuing to play football for something close to the minimum. I, Alex Mack is is going to be gone, longtime center on the team and and that's going to be important uh to fill that position properly but they're not going to be able to sign him they may not want to even try to do it but just another hole that they're going to have to fill and a fairly important one because if you don't have a good center he gets thrown into the legs of the quarterback uh and hard to run the passing game if uh, you have your your center being thrown at your kneecaps and and your ankles uh right after you get the football in your hands all right let's take a break we're going to bust open the mailbag when this tuesday edition of pftpm wraps up right here and right after this Andy Reid eventually will have a bronze bust in the Hall of Fame, and once that is there, they can add this other piece of paraphernalia to it—the the shield that he wore uh, during the 2020 season. We all remember that first game of the year against the Texans; it was fogging up. Eventually, it was determined that you need to have both a mask under the shield and the shield itself to get the full effect. But. Uh, uh, maybe they'll put the mask on the, the bust and the the shield when they have a little nostalgia for the 2020 season, although I think that's an aspect of the year that we all would like to forget that will be in the Hall of Fame, that, uh, that, that face shield. Let's get to some of your questions. Amy Trask, I'm not familiar with that person. Who was the first NFL executive to openly, avowedly, happily note that she, the she part is a hint, by the way, read PFT regularly and to share that everyone else did too, only they refused to admit they did so? Yes, it was it was amy trask and it was a long long time ago and basically she said 90 percent of the league is reading pft and the other 10 percent is liars so uh and, but she was the only one for a while back in the renegade days of pft that would actually admit to it so she's been a loyal friend of the site for a very long time shereen
2: and we love amy trask mike if you don't follow her on twitter she's a good follow
1: Yeah, and uh, did a great job with the Raiders for a very long time. It does a great job with CBS. Now, I I remember when she first left the Raiders, I thought, well, she'll do TV for a year or two and end up working for another team. I think the the game is better off having the benefit of her opinions publicly than if she was exclusively working for one team. At Burn Unit, with the 17th game coming, will seasonal stats be looked at or recorded differently? It would be harder to compare future seasons with past seasons. Hey, I I can only relate to our own experience shereen when they went from 14 to 16 games in 78 nobody ever said boo there was never an asterisk when eric dickerson set the single season rushing record nobody said yeah yeah but you know before it was 14 this 16 uh, you know we we need to do per game that was never an issue it was never a thing it was never discussed no one ever cared about it we just we just add a regular season game and eventually the records are going to be broken
2: yeah, they will be broken, Mike. And you look at, uh, for instance, a 1,000 yards receiving or a 1,000 yards rushing, that's not going to mean as much as it does now, right? Uh, five 5,000 yards for a quarterback is going to become more common. So I think you're going to take all those things into account when you start talking about Hall of Fames and that sort of thing. But, yeah, the records don't change, and it's really weird. But you will see every once in a while that was the record for a 14-game season. We're going to have a bunch of those, especially early That was a record for a 16-game season. You know, he broke the record in the 17th game or however you phrase it, but we will keep those in mind at least for the next few years.
1: And here's the thing to keep in mind, too. There's never been a 2,000-yard receiving season. 117 yards per game is what you need to get to 2,000 yards in a 17-game season, and maybe as soon as next year with 17 games for the first time, somebody can get to 2,000. A-Red zone out because another franchise tagged the best option for Dak Prescott. I Well, look... If, if nope. the Cowboys don't give him a long-term deal that he's happy with, yeah, it's the best option for him at $37.68 million, but I think the Cowboys need to get him signed to a long-term deal and get that cap number down so they can do business this year. Great for him to have the leverage that comes from $37.68 million. Horrible for the Cowboys to have $37.68 million on the books. They've got to get him signed to a long-term deal before, ideally, Shireen, before the window closes on applying the franchise tag. Because if you apply the tag again, If you even apply it, you can never tag him again during his career because then he gets a 44% raise the next time you would tag him.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And they're going to try to get this done over the next two weeks. They're going to start talking. They've had some preliminary discussions. Mike, they've talked for almost two years. They know what the other side wants. This should not be hard. The Cowboys are going to have to give in if they want to sign Dak Prescott. And frankly, that's what they have to do. And they have to do it before March 9th. They have to get this deal done so they don't have to apply the tag to Dak Prescott again. That will kill their cap. They've just got to get this done and they've got to get it done relatively quickly.
1: There was an item in ESPN.com today about labor negotiations over the years. And there was a Strange quote from Jerry Jones, is there another kind, where he talked about owls and chickens in certain phases of the moon and whatever the owls and the chickens were doing (laughs) when Jerry Jones coined that phrase. They may may need to be doing that again to get Jones to finally admit his mistake, because that's the problem. As they've delayed, it's gotten more and more expensive. At some point, they just have to cry uncle. I don't think Jerry Jones has ever cried uncle, Shereen.
2: Nope, he's never been able to do that, never had the feet held to the fire, Mike. Everybody's given in to Jerry Jones, including Des Bryant, at the 11th hour. So they've got to get this done.
1: And the last time they did kind of capitulate, it was with Ezekiel Elliott, and they ended up regretting it because he just hasn't lived up to that, that contract. So right. we'll see how that plays out. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Have a great evening. Thanks for joining us. There were some...